Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And welcome to the National Treasures Podcast. It's the delightful day trip podcast with comedians Laura Lex and Will Duggan. Hello, Will. Hello, Laura. Um, this is our second little featurette about Lewis Castle, an archaeological museum. So for those who haven't listened to the episode at the castle, well, just go back one. Hold up. Back you go. Back into the depths of time. And for those of you that have, well... What a week we've had. Though Laura and I have had just a little chat for five minutes yeah. and it's beginning. So we've We had a little conversation about how heavy it is snowing and I said to William, we will get home all right, won't we? And Will said, Laura, we'll be fine. And I said, OK, but I'm scared of driving in this weather since I spun my car in Saddleworth once in this weather. And Will said... I spun my car in Saddleworth once in this weather. So, uh, Saddleworth, get some gritters. Yeah. Um, so, we, yes, if you've heard last week's episode, we steal the castle. And now we're just popping over the cobbled street and into the Archaeological Museum. Uh, I'm looking forward in this episode, Laura, to me having a knowledge of archaeology and you knowing that and annoying me. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the thing. I have to say, Will, just to the left of the gate into Lewis Castle is one of the most beautiful houses I've ever seen in my life. It is lovely, isn't it? It's very much... Any second now from that top window, Scrooge is going to pop down and ask me what day it is. Yes, it's got like that like slate black brick on the front and then red tiles on the side and red brick and two holly trees just standing either side in front of it it is absolutely beautiful it's beautiful right yes i've lost all feeling in my hand where i'm holding the microphone but in we go so uh we are in and so you come in and the ticket booth is just to your left with the gift shop which we will explore later because everybody knows Laura loves a gift shop and I like to watch Laura enjoy a gift shop <laughs> uh, we were chatting about spending our money on stuff we don't needed <laughs> last week so oh my goodness it's heavenly warm in here so you come in you go away from the gift shop down to the right down some stairs and on the right hand side of the wall um, there's some cool paintings the thing I'm mainly drawn to here Will is it's got one of those like big is it like filigree I don't know um, 
picture frames, but because there's gaps in it and it's lit from above, there's all this shadow coming through the picture frame onto the wall. I love that. There's also a really lovely inscription. So there's like a small one of a gentleman, then one of a big one of a lady, and another big one of another gentleman. But the inscription on the small one says, and it's such... You know, like, when people watch Downton Abbey, what they think England is? Yeah. It's that, because this is presented to Councillor James Pelling by a few friends as a slight recognition of the services he has rendered in many good causes. <laughs> what a fine fellow he's turned out to be. Ooh, so... Um, immediately I want to go into the left. It's the Lewis Town model, a model of Lewis made by members of the community, featuring a 12-minute film about the history of the town playing every 30 minutes. The clock counts down to the next performance, but the clock says zero zero. so... Wow! Oh, Will's broken the door. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just a door stop. Oh, and they've started playing it for us as we've come in. Ah, look at this! Another day begins in Lewis, the peaceful county town of East Sussex. It's the 1st of May, May Day, 1878. Queen Victoria is on the throne, ruling over an empire stretching across the world. People are going about their daily business. Some are preparing for the town's annual Garland Day celebrations. It seems as if nothing has ever disturbed the quiet and orderly pace of life here. This is lovely. So there's a little theatre of four rows of seats and then in front of you is a model of the whole town. It's so beautiful, I can't even tell you. And then there's a screen up behind that and you can hear the voiceover and uh, it's describing what's going on. So at the moment they're talking about the French and American revolutions happening. What's really lovely is this town model, the thing that is being spoken about, the area of the town, is lighting up on the map. So at the minute, it's dark. But any second now, part of the town will light up that's relevant to this film. Is it done seasonally? Is there snow on some of the houses or is that just the way the light's falling on it? I don't know. I think it's just uh, lucky. I think it's just the light, yeah. Governed from Lewis. Oh, Billy Warren. That's who we were chatting about last week. No. Oh, so now they've lit the whole castle. That looks amazing. About 200 years later, in 1264, the model is built to a scale of 1 to 150. Uh, and it says they used an ordnance survey map from 1878 as the base plan for it. Uh, and it was a community project. The model was designed and constructed by more than 100 talented volunteers, including prisoners at HMP Lewis, between 1984 and 1986. And it's built on 13 portable trays, which each contain four streets, so they can move it about. That's amazing. And then on the right-hand side of this wall, there's, um, there's a tapestry, the Battle of Lewis, map 1264. So they've done... It's really amazing. Some of it's all in colour, and some of it is n not, not, not coloured in, but sewed in, I suppose. And then it's got bits underneath it. And they've also got... Um, 
magnifying glasses that you can use to look at it in more detail. Within six months, Henry divorced her. Shall we head to the archaeological fun? Yeah. I really want to visit Anne of Cleves' house. If you'd be up for listening to that episode, get in touch and let us know, because I would love that. Okay. Barbican House is built on the site of a medieval building of which only the cellar remains, Will. Wow. So in the... So we're in Barbican House now, yeah? I guess so, yes. So in the 16th century, the medieval building was a place with a timber-framed house and many of the... Yes, that's right, yes, in the entrance of the town model. So the roof beams the roof we've just gone through are from the 16th century, then a spiral of staircase in the 17th century... In the 18th century, modernised for the brick to look like it did in that famous lovely house that you like. They've done a really beautiful thing here because it's it's very small, this. Um, But all of the hallways between the main exhibit exhibit rooms are covered in in stuff. So we've got... um, what have we got, Will? Well, so <laughs> this is artefacts from the first millennium BC. So that is... That's minus 1,000 to Jesus, is it? Yeah. So ironworking probably came to Britain with Celtic, Celtic settlers. So Could have been Celtic settlers, just <laughs> loads of football fans <laughs> turning up. We're sick of those Rangers, guys. We're, yeah. we're going to come or down here if that's all right. For balance, in case BBC are listening... The Rangers fans, you know, everyone's got a point. So anyway, (laughs) there's loads of places in Britain that have accessible iron, including the Weald in Sussex. So by the 4th century BC, iron production is common. So is this before or after the invention of the Weald? Just after. About a week after. Weald! Very It was a Weald joke, but you were so already angry with me about the Weald. It was (laughs) weirdly good. So they've got a dagger... A wheel duggan <laughs> a bill hook a will hook um, uh, what's a bill hook um i wish i knew i feel like that would be something you'd 100 percent know well it's not oh, uh, they've got a fair. sickle i know what that is so they're both in the late iron age and then this is quite interesting they've got um razors oh. razor blades with a little hook for the finger because wow, this yeah. is something you know, people forget about the past. Like, it's not all just bearded long. Like, people like to shave. So there's a knife blade, razor blade, a small I wonder who bit. the first person to shave was. And his mates were like, how have you done this? <laughs> it's just bleeding profusely <laughs> from the cheeks. Yeah, also... If Do you think it was, like, shaping it to look impressive for battles or something? Do you think that's Could how well it be. started? Uh, now, at the back there, Laura, we've got a little... Um, a little deposit of yourself, haven't we? Oh, it's very funny because it's some slag <laughs> and Will is making out that famously uptight and frigid Laura is sexually promiscuous. You were trying to kiss me in the castle last week. Excuse me? The castle is what I call my penis. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this for? I don't know. My mum <laughs> listens to this. So anyway, and this horse equipment, because of, these are from the late Iron Age. Even the horses were using equipment. Well, it's like bridal stuff, isn't it? Oh, I see. Because they, I thought, they married them. I thought the horses were shaving. And then you move around, and there's loads of pots. 
So now we're moving into the ceramic age. Yes. It stopped snowing outside. It's a week later, of course it has. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so we've got a round bottom bowl. They make the rocking world go round. Um, and that is an example of some of the earliest pottery found in the British Isles. That's exciting. It's decorated too, um, using a stabbing technique, which is typical of this type of pottery. And it's got lifting lugs so that you can hang it over the fire. That's cool. And then you've got the beakers from, by the beaker people. Uh, who came me, 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 me. Very, yeah, very good. <laughs> uh, came across from Europe. And it's the style of pottery that you can see all going on. So, yeah, Laura's trying to break into it. <laughs> I was leaning against the glass display, Basically. which every museum tells you not to do, Laura. What were you thinking? This one trusted me without a big sign, and I fucked it. This lovely thing. It basically, it's like the pots. Yeah, there's lots of pots here. So they're looking at... Um, I guess that just tells you how much people were living here, how many people, and how rich they were by how many pots and stuff you find and the quality of them. Like, the fact that they were decorated tells you these guys had a little bit of time on their hands, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. As you move around, we get to um, weaving, spinning and weaving. So there's spindle walls and worked bone and fossil beads and spoons and sheep bones that have been moulded. It's all very interesting. Now, this bone block here, Laura, that's used as a chopping block, is actually a whale's vertebra. Whoa. So, yeah, there's lots of stuff made out of bone here, um, probably for weaving. And at this point, most of what everyone's wearing is wool. They uh, are done with skins as much, so it's, it's predominantly wool. But there's beads and stuff, too, for decorating. And this bit of antler here, Will, this looks just like the little things on your duffel coat. A little toggle, yeah. Yeah, and there's a comb there. Yeah. Those look like little tiny arms, don't they? The little bones, yeah. Sheep bones used for weaving, so I guess they're almost like weaving needles. Yeah, it's amazing. And then we get to the bad boy of the Stone Age. It's flint. Is this your, your this bit? This is where I am. So you've got woodworking tools and scrapers, or a shovel made out of a... Uh, Shoulder blade turned into a shovel, yeah. that's And that's antlers. Um, not antler. What am I trying to say? No, I just say antler and bone picks were also used to help leave a flint yeah. from the mine walls. Once they hunted, it's that thing of every part of the animal is useful. And then you've got the big, the big part of the technological development of the Mesolithic microliths. So it's making very small, very sharp bits of flint. So you are being um, efficient with your flint deposits. And also, they're quite easy to make. But you've got everything. Striker lights, borers, an axe and a pick. Yeah, great stuff. What were the microliths for? So they're very small bits. Oh, so you can make almost like scalpel blades. Yeah, but also, you know, if you need to cut something... You don't need a massive axe no, no, if yeah. you've got a tiny bit. Like, look at this. So there's a Paleolithic axe there, a hand axe. Yeah. So you'd hold that in your hand, the bulb, and hit down to cut stuff. But how many of these little ones could you make out of that big one? But I guess would you get those just because when because things would flake off that naturally. Yeah, but so using you just use it, them when they flake off. But yeah, to keep things going. I think on the map here. There's a um, things they found in um, the Sussex area. So uh, the Boxgrove Man was found near Chichester and then there's 
you know, fossils and dinosaurs and a stone head and axes and arrowheads and uh, the Sussex Loop found here, here, like a bit of metallic jewellery. And then going up into Crawley, like an iguanodon bones. So it's quite a nice... Because obviously, you know, when you see... It's lovely to come somewhere like this and see a stone hand axe or some microliths or an Iron Age scythe. But then when you get a map and go, oh, yeah, I live in Brighton, that's where they found loads of Iron Age spears. Yeah. That's cool, isn't it? Um, so then we move into the Bronze Age again, just some really nice um, artefacts made, including Bronze. the famous Sussex loops. So these loops appear to be arm rings, but would no doubt have been heavy and uncomfortable to wear. They are only found in Sussex within a 13-mile radius of Brighton. And they were most probably all produced locally by one individual or a closely related group of metalsmiths. They're usually found in pairs. And in their original state, these loops would have caught the light to give a sparkling effect. I mean, that's a sign of some pretty big wealth, isn't it? Yeah. Brighton, though. Got cash in it. So then, that's sort of like the... Um, and finally, stone. Just got some chalk rings, rubbing stones, hand axes. It's really lovely. So there's some really smooth stones there. Why would you need a smooth stone that much? Well, it's, I think it's more... Stone is more durable than flint. And just through working, it becomes smooth. Oh, OK. OK. So that's... A saddle quern? Is that like a pestle and mortar type thing? I think so, yeah. And then they've got a chalk block with an antler pick. Yeah, it keeps using this word quern. I don't know what that means. Querns are used for grinding grain. Ah, there we go. Yeah, it looks like a big grindstone. So, yeah, like a pestle and mortar, I guess. Pebble hammers there look, Will. Yeah, really, really good. Oh, and then is that like an ammonite or is that just That's carved in? chalk. Wow. The purpose no, I didn't want can to only be guessed at. <laughs> sort of a quick scoot round the room of um, of all of those stone bits and then you cross um, the entrance way what's quite nice is you get a little thing about um, obviously where we are this Barbican house now a museum as we mentioned previously a house so it's earliest record of someone living here is from 1525 so one guy called John Homewood. He um, left his initials on the stone fireplace in 1579, and he was the high constable of the town uh, in 1571 and 1583. It's been used as a home and a workplace. Some wool merchants lived here. And the Kemp family of Thomas Kemp, the Kemp town, ah. where I live, uh, he was the MP for Lewis, um, and it's been owned by the Sussex Archaeological Society since 1907 and has a custodian. So the eldest custodian, check this out, was living and working the property until her death at, 1980, uh, at, at 95 years old. She lived old. to 1,985 years. She lived to 95 and died in 1918.
born in 1823. That's mad. Pre-Queen Victoria. People are going to say that about us one day, though. It freaks me out slightly about, like, you know, when we were growing up, we were like, oh, I was born in 1986, blah, blah, blah. And now it's 2022, and it's mm. like, God, we were really born in the last <laughs> millennium. Yeah, I'm not young. <laughs> I may Gosh. need to get a new job Let's not come to terms with our mortality now though um, So what are we in here I think we're looking at some weaponry in this cabinet So attack and defence Towards the end of the Roman occupation of Britain Obviously Kent and Sussex Are right on the shore Very close to, to France and So a lot of northern Europeans Coming across this way Jutes and Angles Which is how we became known as the Anglo-Saxons um, So South Saxons Settling in this area Is what gives this place its name Sussex um, That's exciting So we're looking at swords and knives really There's three swords in this cabinet uh, they're all long swords, which were a high-status weapon because only the warriors would uh, carry them. You could either, you could win one in a duel, or could be awarded one to mark success. Uh, and um, swords themselves were often given names and were handed down through family. So the three we've got here. Uh, one's from Selmston, one's from Kingston by Lewis, and one's from Ulfriston. And they are, well, they're from the four to five hundreds. They're 1,500 years old. Crikey crumbles. I'm reading a book at the moment that's called Oathbringer after the name of a sword in it called Oathbringer. Nice. Also, this is very interesting. I don't know this. So we've got some spearheads. Now, I didn't know this, that spears were the most common weapon because all three men would carry one. What do you mean all three men? Free. Oh! Yeah, okay, all free men. I guess a good hunting thing just to have a spear, isn't it? A defensive thing. Oh, it's it's a dead person. Yes, there's a skeleton in the cabinet underneath, sort of lying on its front... Um, a bit, not a complete skeleton by the looks of it, but it has, it is wearing a necklace with some earrings. Um, not sure if it says... So it's a female skeleton... There's a brooch, there's a necklace, there's a cloak pin, and there's some personal possessions. Women's graves is a woman, this. So men oh, would I've be... never heard that word like that before. What? Inhumation. Yeah. I've heard of bodies being exhumed. I've never heard it be inhumed. So that's burial. Yeah. Huh. So they found burials and cremations from the Anglo-Saxon period. Burial practice chosen could have been determined by social status, local custom, or simply personal preference. So this one, yeah, is an inhumed body. They'd be laying on their sides with their knees bent towards the chin. So kind of like fetal position. Yeah, like fetal position, yeah. And very few graves were marked unless you were very, very wealthy. Uh, and no coffins. No, they were put in, a, in an urn, weren't you? Like a pottery yeah. urn. It says coffins were very rarely used. I don't think it says anything about an urn. Grave goods accompanying the body or ashes were common, but gradually declined from the 6th century onwards, probably because of Christianity sort of spreading. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry, you were going to say something about male and female. So men would be often buried with weapons, and poorer people would be given just a knife or a spear. Then the wealthier people would get shields, and then very rich people would have a sword. Whereas women would mainly have jewellery and, again, the quality and quantity of which would be an indication of 
the status. Nice. Oh, what's he found? There's an amazing fireplace here. I'm enjoying that. And then it's got the same map as we were looking at in the other room, but it's got different information on it this time. So this time the colour coding is about how high above sea level it is. So some bits are very, very low, um, and then sort of it gets higher up as you go further up the country, like up to Crawley and... Um, East Grinstead. Yeah. Uh, but this has got where Roman remains have been found. And quite nice, probably the most famous Roman thing, the Bayer Tapestry. It's just there on the map because it was here. <laughs> um, but one of the things the Romans are known for is their roads. The Romans made really good roads. And we've got here a sandstone slab from a Roman villa in Worthing. That I think you've just mentioned and uh, it's a milestone from a Roman road. But what does it mark? Well, it marks, Laura, a mile. Like turning 16, You're an wedding. idiot, you're an idiot, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. Uh, there is a inscription on it that says in Latin, Divi Constanti P. Augusti Filio, which means in English, son of the deified Constantius Pius Augustus. So that's what, three miles to Worthing. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite interesting though looking at these roman roads it really does show you so there's like that's pretty much the m23 isn't it going from brighton to london yeah then you've got and the a27 out yeah, to chichester yeah and across there to to eastbourne and then was that is it the a25 what's the one that goes from well i think a lot of the roads are built on yeah and that's the a2 turning into the m2 going out to canterbury there isn't it well that's very boring for anyone that doesn't live here and indeed me who does no but it's just fascinating that it was thousands of years ago yeah yeah, yeah. and yet we're just yeah but they got it right they did the best one let's just keep keep that like you know with things like the spoon you can't update the spoon Wisdom with Will. You can't update the spoon. I didn't, I've never really seen this, though. This is, I love it when a museum like this, where you're like, I'm aware, I'm in a small niche museum in a tiny town. I'm having a great time. And then they'll have something that you've never been shown anywhere else. So this is a section of a cut-through of a Roman road, which you're right, you hear about Roman roads all the time. I don't think I've ever seen anybody show... There's the, have the water line, and then there's clay on top of that, then large gravel, then medium gravel, then limey you gravel. limey gravel. <laughs> and then limestone slabs on top. So that's why their roads were so good. That's how they constructed them. That's great. Lovely. And then, yeah, there's just more... There's some building materials featuring lead plates and tiles. Ooh, um, what's that thing? There's like a big clay brick with a sort of egg timer shape cut out the front of it and then some markings scratched into the side. What is that? It is the, Is it like a, it is a decorated brick? flue. So it's basically used to heat buildings. So the floors are built raised on pillars or blocks, which would form a large cavity where you'd burn things for heat, and then the hot air would be sent through the flue. So, yeah, it's heating. Mm. Also, very interesting here, Laura, is um, a Roman window pane. <gasps> Roman glass. So it's very rare to have... So this is almost complete. 
Yeah. Um, and it's rare because normally you don't find that much. They would blow glass cylinder that they would cut lengthways, then re-soften and flatten using iron tongs and wood. And they'd yeah, basically set it into windows. Whoa! Excuse me, yawning. It wasn't because that was boring. I just... I just yawned. <laughs> also, oh, there's a Roman plumb bob there. That's cool. Like a heavy weight that you'd hang on a string and it'd give you a straight line going down. I love that. Also quite nice here, there's some tiles with patterning on them from, well, between 43 and 400 AD. You think, yeah, these people weren't just buying... They weren't... They were living... They wanted to look nice. You know? There's patterning on the tiles. That's what sort of... It's stuff like that that I find fascinating. You know nowadays when, you know, it's it's a bit of a jake now, but to moan about like, oh, you spend all your money on Netflix, blah, blah, blah. But when you look back at how early in our development as a species we needed entertainment and extra beyond surviving. People n- like nice things. Yeah, it, but it's obviously important to us. It's, it, it helps us function. And I, so I find it so ridiculous and stupid when people, even today, can't see the value of design and art yeah. and entertainment and think, like, why don't these people who don't have any money just sit in a quiet, silent house? Because you'd go mad. We need things like this, and that's been evident from the way we're scratching wiggly lines onto a tile 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Also, yeah, it's, it's not a want, it's a need, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. We think of, like, or some people want to paint, like, arts and entertainment and culture as a luxury, and it isn't. It is quite clearly integral. So my takeaway from that is join the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Laura, do you want to hear a recipe from uh, Roman Sussex? Yes, please. It's for Julian Pottage. So you'll need... 225 grams of wheat grains soaked overnight. Itch overnight oats, basically. i just going to stop you there. I never, ever do a recipe that requires something from overnight because I never remember to do it, okay. but carry on. One tablespoon of olive oil, two cooked brains, 225 grams of minced meat, and then just a pinch of pepper, lovage, fennel seed, some anchovy, some wine, and two pints of stock. And you mix it all together and cook it, and then you eat it. And that's food, is it? I've got a recipe for you that I think might be worse. So you get some snails, about six per person, and clean them with a sponge and then um, get them so that they can come out of their shells and put them in a vessel with some milk and some salt, Mm -hmm. right, for one day. Then put them in a fresh vessel with a load more milk for another day, cleaning away the excrement every hour. Oh, you've got to do that. You've got to do that every, every hour. And then when they're fat to the point where they can't get back in their shells, fry them in oil and serve with the dressing of anchovy essence and wine. I will say, I do like snails. I do like anchovies. Do you want to clean up snail shit every hour? Yeah, but I want the chef to do that. I'd eat that. Oh, you're having a chef now, are you? That ox's skull is massive, isn't it? Yeah. Amazing. That, that ox is nearly 2,000 years old. And you can't better the antler. You mean you can't better the, oh, antler? the antler? It's a great thing, isn't it? The antler. A no, colander. Colanders. Literally, the colander I have is that size and shape. Mine is slightly better because the um, hole's got on the side as well. But hey, great work. Yeah. And that's you as well there. Ha ha ha. He's found a fork backed hoe. And then down the middle, what we got here? 
Oh, we got jewellery here. This is fun. There's some colourful beads in that turquoise that you associate with, like, antiquated beads. Those are from Chichester, from 0 to 450 AD. And again, we're talking about look after yourself. There's here a razor, some tweezers, some nail cleaners, and some ear scoops that were all collect on a ring, like a toiletry set. That's so cool. A mirror... This bronze mirror would have been tinned and highly polished to give a reflection. From I find that mad, like when, when I read historical fiction and stuff, how little idea of what they looked like people had. Yeah, 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 yeah. What is there anything that's naturally reflective? Water? Water, the moon, no. No, the very moon. few people are checking their hair in. <laughs> the moon reflects it. You have got... I got confused. Shut up, please. I got confused. In this <laughs> podcast, in the last seven minutes, you've made one of the most impassioned, clever arguments as to why arts and culture are not a want, a need, or a desire. And then, well, geographically, a metre away... <laughs> In time, five minutes away, you've claimed that people would use to check no. their reflections oh. in the fucking moon. <laughs> I got confused about a thing that reflects, because we said water and then I thought, you know, like the moon in a puddle is a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway. So the moon is what it looks like. The moon, do you know what, Laura? I've, I've always said this. The moon in a puddle is a thing. <laughs> There's more jewellery here. We've got an eagle's talon. That would have been... Worn on, on a necklace of a bit of leather by someone that you definitely shouldn't have sex with <laughs> in Newquay in 2004. Yeah. Boar tusks. Uh, oh, look at that comb. That's amazing, isn't it? They've got a little, like, bronze boars here. Um, but they look just like the game past the pigs. Yeah, they do, they do. Bracelets and... Bow brooches. They're lovely. And yeah, then the beads, highly polished. Yeah, the beads are beautiful. I'd still wear these now. They're amazing. There's some amethyst there. Amber was considered to protect against disease and witchcraft, and amethyst was a charm against drunkenness. I might have to get some amethyst. <laughs> <laughs> Look at those needles. Those are so fine. Wow, this is all so great. I mean, obviously, we can only describe it to you a little bit, but it's well worth coming to see. It's lovely. And then I think... Is that it, Will? I think there's an upstairs. Is there an upstairs? You can hear all the creaky floorboards. It's great. Yeah, exhibition gallery. Oh, there is an upstairs. Right, so yes, we're going to the medieval side of upstairs. Again, there's two rooms. Um, we've got a cabinet in the wall here of pots and ceramics, but all from March, much later. So top shelves, there's a bit of Roman still, but then once you come down, we're looking at glazing. We're looking at sort of uh, the 18th century, a little bit of 17th century, I think. We've got some beer jugs. I need to stop you. There's a thing here called the Sussex Pig, and it's basically a jug shit like a pig on its hind legs, and they were used to uh, store liquor, but the head would be removed and used as a cup. Imagine sort of like um, a thermos flask. Yeah. <laughs> 
but with pig legs. Yeah, and um, they'd be used at festive occasions. So the head would be passed around and everyone would drink a hog's head of liquor to the bride's health. That's good. Right, so really we head into the medieval room. But the first thing I've seen, bang. Oh, a tomb slab. But not just at anyone. It is the tomb slab of Gundrada. Oh, we mentioned her last week. The wife of William de Warren. So this is a replica of... Oh, bloody hell, replica, forget it. Oh, but her one would have been made of marble. This is what, wood? Is that carved wood? No, perhaps. Wow. So she died in childbirth. Um, and it's all carved. It's beautiful. It's carved of, like... It describes her as being the ornament of her age. And it's got animal heads and foliage. And then there's, like, this sort of wooden throne thing. Oh, God. No, okay. Yeah, don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a sign on the wall. So again, it's going around the history of the place, around the edge. So it's got late Saxon Lewis, and it sort of tells you about um, that bit like we covered last week. And then it goes into the new Norman rule. And then it's got a picture of Sussex broken up into six areas. So you've got Chichester, Arundel, Bramber, Lewis, Pevensey and Hastings. But then they are called the six rapes across Sussex. And I guess a rape was an area. Was an area, but that really catches your breath. Oh, and each one of these had a castle. Yeah, so you've got William ah. de Warren in Lewis, uh, then Will- William de Braussy, Roger de Montgomery. Roger de Montgomery had two. Hey. Then Robert Court, Count of Mortain, and Robert Count of EU. <coughs> Count of the EU. We've got some mugs and saucers. So there's a lot of pottery in here, which is lovely. Oh, and more tiles. Oh, tile making. I remember as a kid going to the, I think it was the Somerset Rural Life Museum, or it might have been an abbey on the Somerset levels, and we all made tiles, like we made a little design and then glazed it and fired it. It was cool. And that's basically what they're doing here. So it's a wooden sort of like stamp that you would put onto wet clay to print a pattern on and then it would be dried and then once it was dry it'd be filled with coloured clay and then different colours used to make patterns within the patterns, you know? Yeah, I guess having the priory and stuff around here they'd have had tiled floors. Yeah. I think it was quite common in priories and monk houses and nunneries and stuff to have these impeccable tiled floors because I guess that's where the money was. Oh, that's a good one. We've got a fragment of a demi-shaft here. (laughs) This half pillar or column has been carved in Tournai marble with a basketwork design. It is very beautiful. It's a lovely soft grey with a little bit of a dusting of paler grey. Tournai marble comes from Belgium. Oh, that's where my brother lived. This piece was found in the remains of the lavatorium or washroom of the priory. And there's little bits of stained glass there from Ulfriston Church. And also, uh, just the bits of lead that would keep all the things in. I swear, church lead, when I was a kid, came up so much, because my local church was always having the lead nicked off the roof, and they'd bring it up all the time. I just thought church lead was the most valuable thing on planet Earth. <gasps> well, look at this, leather purses. That's amazing. Yeah, that's really lovely. They've put some coins on there to sort of show you, but that is an incredible, um, like... That that's still around. Also, look at his hat. Yeah, there's a big felt hat. It's hard to miss when you're looking in the, the casement off to your left. Big felt hat, reproduction medieval hat. So it's made out of yeah, wool and it's dyed using madder root, which is a 
sort of almost looks like big saffron. Yeah. And then there's keys. Honest to God, keys. There's hunting arrows. Yeah, look at the size and of these keys. That's quite nice. There's a purse bar. So imagine like the metal clasp of a purse. But then they've made a reproduction behind it of what the big purse would look like. Oh, that's clever. So as the fabric of the purse broke down, but you could keep the metal yeah. bar and just attach it to a new purse. And they've got some keep those cut purses out by having it made of metal. And we've got some very fine chain mail. Oh, and look at that stiletto. Yeah, and a stiletto dagger. So that is fancy. Can you take a picture of that? I want to show people that. That is nice. Stiletto was used as a stabbing weapon as the fine blade could pierce a knight's chain mail. The bone hilt and guard are decorated with mother of pearl and bronze. That is pretty. I love mother of pearl. And then just like spurs back to horse animal bits and snaffle bit. That's a good name. <laughs> also a scabbard. I'm not like, I'm not really someone that's big into like weaponry as a. Like, it doesn't do anything for me, but I love the the fact that these, there's these sword pommels here from the medieval time, the bit in between the handle and the blade, and they're so real. I love tangible mm. history, you know? Like, that's been in a battle. Yeah, that's what I like. I, I love that with, you know, the pots and that are great. And it's like, well, but what was it used for? Well, that's a, that's a pommel for a sword that was used... A person existed who... Yeah, really good. It's interesting, this museum. I'm having a lovely time. And I wasn't expecting the museum to be the more deeply engrossing part of this. Like, for, you know, because it's museum and castle. Um, we've been in the museum probably about three times as long as we were around the castle. And it's nice to have two... Um, complementary but totally different things to do in a day like you just you just get to walk around the castle without being bombarded by information and you see the view and you just sort of feel it because it's a ruin and then you come here and you look at the detail of it and it's yeah. like having the micro and the macrocosm also like a, there's a thing in archaeology called phenomenology by this guy called chris tilly where you go and like experience the. that's what the castle was it was standing in those rooms mm. seeing those views then you can come here and be like Right, here's a cool bit thing. I feel like here's a, it's a ballot box from the 1800s. Huh. And, you know, there's little drawers that say yes and no, and you put your ball in where you want, and a gavel and a helmet from the 1500s, like a knight's helmet. I like this room. The paintings in here are amazing too. There's one of the, the sort of seaside... Uh... Oh, Tide Mills near Bishopstone by G. Smith, 1851... Um, oil on canvas and it's absolutely beautiful it's sort of white cliffs and just the beach coming right up to the fields and then my favourite one is, is just uh, above the fireplace in the middle of this room it's called the Lewis Avalanche Thomas Henwood attributed this painting commemorates the tragedy of the night of December 27th 1836 Following a period of exceptionally bad weather, a huge bank of deep snow had built up on the chalk cliff that rose above the eastern edge of the town. Warnings were issued to local residents to leave their homes. A particular concern was for those living in workers' cottages directly below the cliff in Boulder Row. I mean... It's like buying a house called Floodplain Alley, isn't it? Boulder Row. Unfortunately, many were unable to leave due to the weather and the likely fact that they had nowhere else to go. It's always the poor that get shafted, isn't it? On the night of the 27th, the snowbank finally collapsed under its own weight and tons of snow fell directly onto the cottages. 
I'm actually looking at a house at the minute, genuinely. Looking at found a house that's affordable. Uh, it's in Brighton, just near the, right near the pier. It's on, have you seen it? It's on Tsunami Close. <laughs> Rescuers worked courageously to dig out those trapped and were successful in saving many, though sadly eight people were lost to the avalanche. The Lewis avalanche remains the deadliest avalanche in British history. The Snowdrop Inn, built in 1840, stands on the site of what was Boulder Row and is named in remembrance of the disaster. I didn't know about that. So there's quite a few of these Sussex... Will wants to move on. He's done. because I've found something nicer (laughs) than a horrible avalanche. (laughs) So we've got... Sussex loops that we discussed. Yeah, they're um, cool. But so these possible armband things. But then they've got some copper, um, sorry, bronze axe heads. But then next to it, they've got a reproduction new one. Oh, so that's what it would have looked. So yeah, from my perspective as a non-archaeologist, um, you know, you always see like these Bronze Age tools and stuff, and they're a bit worn and they've gone green from the verdigris and stuff. But then they've printed one up that's all shiny and clean and new, and you're like, oh yeah, this was technology. Yeah, it's an axe. There's also an iguanodon footprint here. Yeah, there it is. Fossilised cast of an iguanodon footprint. It was found in Crobra in 1965. Amazing. And then work done by prisoners of war in the Crimean War. Wow. Some old lemons from the 1901. (laughs) How are they preserved? Waxed? So they're from the record... Oh, steam, it sank. Uh, it's salt, like the salt water. Huh. And then, oh my God, shoes from the 1600s. Wow. Leather shoes have been found during building works in historic properties. There is a strong tradition across the county of hiding shoes within homes to ward off evil, to act as a countermeasure by throwing curses back to the maker. The shoes are generally found bricked up in fireplaces or between floors. Why shoes? The best suggestion for choosing shoes to protect against witchcraft is that when worn, the shoe moulds to the shape of the individual. They become imprinted with the character and essence of the wearer. They are personal objects. I never knew that. I didn't know that that was a thing. Have you ever heard of the Lewis Ratten Spoon? Uh, no. <laughs> so, as a... Well... Is it like a race? <laughs> no. The rat and spoon is a young girl. Oh, imagine that, all the primary school kids having to find a rat to bring to sports. Ooh, on the spoon, ratty. Um, a, a young serving girl was accused of having stolen a silver spoon from her employer. This is in the 1600s. She protested her innocence but was thrown out into the streets. That's the end of her in this story. I hope she ended up well. But I'll be honest with you, I imagine she didn't. Years later, builders carried out repairs to the property. They uncovered a rat's nest containing the, ru- containing the mummified body of a rat and the missing silver spoon. Both were preserved as a memorial to the luckless maid. And then above and then- it... In a case is a silver spoon and a mummified rat. <laughs> I will say, naturally mummified, it's not covered in bandages. And that's the end of this little room. Yeah. There's more pictures and paintings on the wall. Definitely worth coming to see. There's so much in here. Um, it really is a little amazing space. So that's pretty much us. We'll have a look at the gift shop. And then that'll be us saying goodbye to you for this week. 
So it's over to you, before we look at the gift shop, to decide what you want for your deep dives. There'll be two deep dives, obviously, based off our visit to Lewis Castle and the Archaeological Museum. So your choices are witchcraft. Witchcraft. British Isles witchcraft will be interested yeah, we're in. we're not talking about fucking Salem again. No, and pretty much defences against witchcraft. Yeah, after, the, after the beads we found and then the shoes. Yeah. Also, we'll be looking at dinosaurs on the British Isles after that iguanodon. Yep. Uh, the Battle of Hastings. We couldn't come here and look at all of the castle and the defences and not talk about that, could we? Well, I, personally, I'd like not to talk about it. Don't vote for that one. <laughs> and um, also looking at um, burial practices, brackets general. Yeah. Uh, so let us know which of those you want us to do a deep dive on. It's gift shop time, Will. So, yeah, it's classic gift shop fair, isn't it? Nice books, some historical stuff. Thomas Payne books as well, because he'd around here. Yes. Was it, was it the book that you thought it was? You have the Thomas Payne here. Isn't that Thomas Paine, the rights of man? Yes, yeah. it was that Thomas Paine. Hey, well done, Will. You're so smart. I know, it's painful. <laughs> Some lemon curd. I love black cherry jam. Oh, little bits of Christmas. A Nordic pine candle. Do you know, I bought my mum a calligraphy set a few years ago. Yeah. And she's proper, like, sniffy about it. What? The other day she was like, I wish I could do... Uh, no, so. she's throwing it back in your face, is she? Well, she's like, no, she's a really I love you, Mum. <laughs> oh, look at this Christmas decoration of a Norman boat. It's a Viking boat. It says Norman boat on it. That's his name. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, I do need these guys from our Christmas tree. Tom and I are collecting little felt people to go on our trees. Let's get a little well, William the collection. Conqueror. Yeah, well, I can't remember where we went. We went to... Oh, it was somewhere in London and we got a little Charles Darwin and then we were in Brussels and we got a little Matisse. So I'm going to get one of these. I think we'll leave you now, listeners, because we just walk around the shop. Um, <laughs> thanks for joining us and we'll yes. see you next week for the deep dives. Yes. Goodbye. We love you. Bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.